Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Just want to recap where we've been in the past couple of weeks as we move forward into week three, our our final week of this series. Week one, we talked about Jesus walking along the shore. He calls out to a fisherman, Andrew, and his brother, Simon, hey, come and follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. But what we realize is that happened in Matthew chapter 4, and in, I think it was in John chapter 1, we saw that these dudes were actually introduced to Jesus before that moment. There was some pre-exposure there. And I think what that communicates to us about Jesus and and, and John the Baptist, they had found out, John the Baptist, they were, Andrew specifically was standing with John the Baptist, Jesus was walking by, he's like, that's the son of God, that's the lamb of God. So Andrew's like, okay, I'm going to his house. Andrew goes to Jesus' house. They hang out. He goes, gets his brother Peter, brings him back. Yeah, this is Jesus. So they know he's the Messiah, or or there's an awareness that he's the Lamb of God, that there's some outrageous divine assignment on his life. And um, so then, you know, uh, he calls him from the boat. And again, with that pre-exposure. So I think that tells us something about Jesus, that he doesn't just want us to know he's the Messiah, but... He wants us to know him. He wants us to follow him. Uh, Week two, we talked about Levi and the tax collector's booth. And, you know, he's in this tax collector's booth. And we talked about how they're viewed in that cultural context. And, And, yeah, he's calling them out of a booth. But really what he's calling them out of is the old, the sin. Come and follow me right? Uh, Levi had to leave his booth. We, we said the phrase last week, you can't stay in the booth and follow Jesus. This is a call to new patterns, to new mindsets, to new habits, to a new devotion and a new desire and a new love. He's making you new. Oh, and, and, then, and then we talked about obedience as essential characteristic of becoming a disciple of Jesus. So As we go into week three, I think we've spent the last two weeks doing a good job emphasizing that the call to discipleship exists on all of our lives. Uh, There's a call for all of believers. Once you believe in Jesus, I really believe that the, the Holy Spirit gives us specific personal convictions and personal assignments, and, and, and the word would communicate this, but there's also collective corporate assignments that if you become a believer, like this is for you and everybody else who believes, and one of those assignments is to go and make disciples. That's for all of us as Jesus followers. So we've talked about being a disciple of Jesus. Now there is a call to, in fact, make disciples ourselves. I want to open up with our key scripture this morning, Matthew 28. Start at verse 16. This is the very last chapter of the Matthew gospel. Um, It's actually the last paragraph, the last passage in the chapter. So if we didn't have any other gospels, this would be Jesus's last earthly words. Now we know that the gospel of Luke and and Acts are essentially the same gospel. They've been separated, but it's the same story with the same author. And we find out Jesus, you know, walks around on earth for 40 days after he resurrects and, um, you know, gives them assignments and all that stuff. So there are other things that are said, but if this was the only gospel we'd have, That's what we would be left with, this right here. Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. Jesus has uh, uh, resurrected from the grave at this point. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When he saw them, when when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Everyone say, go. 
Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you even to the end of the age. Okay, there is this calling that exists in the lives of every believer that we are to go and make disciples. And I want to talk about it this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Jesus, you're so good. Uh, You're just, you're so good. You're so good. I just feel an extra sense of gratitude and gratefulness this morning. I love that this is the community that I get to be a part of, and it's a privilege to communicate your word this morning. I pray that you'd use it, uh, that the people listening, sitting under my voice, whether it's on a podcast or sitting in a room, that we wouldn't just hear it, but we would internalize it, that we would apply it to our life. Your word says if we just hear your word, but we don't do it, we're deceiving ourselves. So, Father, till the soil of our hearts as the seed of your word goes forth. Let it take root in our heart and grow to produce fruit in our lives. And I pray that this church would continue fostering kids. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew 28 is is a pretty special chapter in the scriptures. I get all passages are are special in the scriptures, so it's hyperbole, people. Okay, give me some grace here. Um, Because it's the conclusion of Jesus' earthly ministry. Matthew's specifically, you know, like I said, we already talked about you know, Luke and, and we see, but in Matthew gospel specifically, this is kind of the end of Jesus's earthly story. And he leaves us with this cliffhanger that we know as the great commission. But before this, the three years before this, and what we've even talked about in the, in the past few weeks is he calls from the alleyways and the catty corners of the world, uh, for these guys to come and follow him and be his disciples. And he takes this group of men, and there's other people, and there's ladies, and there's men, and there's, and there's people who follow, but, you know, there's this focus on the 12, and he takes this group of men on the journey of a lifetime, and over the next three years, these men have not only committed themselves to following Jesus, but they've committed themselves to being disciples of Jesus. So Jesus gathers up his, his 12, and, and so then we see in Matthew, first couple chapters early on in Matthew, we have the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is teaching all his disciples, and he essentially, we did a sermon series on all of this uh, last summer, but he lays out what the kingdom's culture looks like. Has a whole, it's all information, and he just talks, he says it's loving your enemies. This is what it looks like. It's different than the culture you're in. It's different. It's set apart. It's sanctified. It's holy. As believers, as Jesus followers, as members of a, as a company of kingdom people, our culture's different. We love our enemies. We guard our eyes. We deny ourselves. We keep our commitments. We're a person of our word. We're generous. We, we pray and we fast and we treat others well. Jesus has a lot to say about how we treat others. And, and then he's exhorting his new disciples at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's like, real wisdom is not to just hear this, but it's to do it. It's to live it out. And it's from this point that we don't just hear Jesus say these things. We don't just see information given but for the next three years he will live this kingdom lifestyle out in front of these disciples inviting them and teaching them to take part in it so not long after jesus preaches on the mountainside he goes on as as you move through the chapters of matthew we're going to kind of do a breeze through of matthew 
But he comes upon a Roman soldier. Remember, last week we talked about how the Romans are oppressing the Jews, so this could technically be an enemy. And the Roman soldier's like, I need my daughter healed. And, and Jesus heals the daughter. Then he moves on and he heals a paralyzed man. And his disciples, what we have to remember is his disciples are present for this. They're watching his ministry. They're watching the way he treats people. They're watching the way he listens. They're, he's, they're watching the way he prays for people when they're being healed. They're observing. They're learning. They're students. They're disciples. Jesus is taking them along the way. This is what kingdom living looks like. This is what it, this is what it looks like to be a company of kingdom people. And he shows. And, and so they're observing who he is and how he lives and how he loves all along the way, and then shortly after this, it's like, Jesus is like, okay, y'all have watched me long enough. It's your turn. Because it's not just about information. Discipleship is about activation as well. So when there's information with activation, we get imitation. I lose anybody? Can we keep going? I can't think of another word, but there's one probably. So what I mean is, is, is we can know what Jesus says, but until we do what Jesus does, we will not see imitation. And I just wonder if some of us have been good with the information part, but we've been stuck in the mud. Jesus says, y'all have seen me pray and, and people be healed. You've seen me preach the word of God. You've seen me cast out demons. Guess what, fellas? Your turn. Let's look at it. Matthew 10. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. So he's saying only go to the Jews right now. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. So go preach. And then he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Now, we got to think, we read this and we're like, wow, that's cool. And they went out and the apostles went out, let's go, we're on a mission, we're going to do this, yeah. No, they're probably like, what? Are you coming? Come on, Holy Spirit convicts us to pay for the person in front of us sometimes. And we're like, ah, that might be awkward. And Jesus is like, go heal them. Go cast out their demons. Go preach the gospel. Go tell people the kingdom of heaven is near. Without you? Yeah. Yes. Let's keep reading. He says, don't take any money with you. Okay, that makes me feel better. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Don't take any money in your money belts. No gold, no silver. Don't even take your pennies, no copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. And don't hesitate to accept hospitality because of those, because those who work deserve to be fed. Okay? So when y'all drop casseroles off to my house, I say, you better drop these casseroles off. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. You know, this is a whole message within itself that Jesus' instructions are specific, but, but he's giving instructions that are going to force faith. No, you can't rely on your own ability. You need to go out. I've given a divine assignment on you. I've given you authority to go do what I've done. You see me? I'm not, I'm not carrying around a big old fast suitcase. And No, no, no. This is by faith. Jesus is saying, go, and I want you to totally depend that everything's going to be provided. Okay? This is, the, this is what Jesus is doing is he's putting them on a spiritual ninja warrior course. This is a spiritual 
CrossFit workout. This is a, this is a spiritual obstacle course. Listen, you got to get strong. You got to be activated. You got to do this. I just can't be doing it all. This is for you. You need to do it too. Because there's going to come a point where you got to teach people to do it too. So we never do it ourselves. It's going to be hard to activate others in it as well. But I'm jumping ahead. Let's keep reading. Whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet and leave. I tell you the truth. The wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on judgment day. You just do what I call you to do, and how people respond is out of your control, so you're not going to let that in, you're not gonna let that discourage you. That's not going to hinder you from doing what God's called you to do. You just go do what I told you to do, and how they respond is not up to you. Look, I'm sending you out as a sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. This is discipleship. Jesus is, 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 I've taught you everything. You've seen me do it. Now I'm sending you out. Beware, you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips and synagogues. You'll stand trial before governors and kings because you're my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. Oh, that makes me feel better, Jesus. When you're arrested, don't worry how to respond or what to say. And here's part of the key that we talked about even last week. God will give you the right words at the right time. So I'm sending you out. I get you might be scared or it might be awkward or it might be uncomfortable. Has anybody ever felt like that when it comes to like, yeah, hey, dude, go pray for your friend. What? What? It's unbelievable. But he, but he, but he says, God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It is the spirit of your father speaking through you. Jesus is so consistent to tell us that if you will go do what I will do, my spirit is going to be with you and it's going to help you. Okay, this is before Acts 2, before the spirit has been poured out. God's saying, I'm going to give you everything you need. I've commissioned and equipped you to do everything you need to do. But there is a calling on your life to be a disciple and to create disciples. So he's not only teaching them kingdom living, but he's activating them to carry out kingdom living with clear instruction. I jumped ahead a little bit here, but just back to that thought of can't just be information. It can't just stay information. Jesus didn't stop on the Sermon of the Mount then ascend back to the Father. He spent three years with close proximity, allowing them, pushing them into uncomfortable positions teaching and training them to be strong in the spirit. Information with activation will produce imitation. There's a calling on our lives to not only imitate Jesus, but then to have others imitate Jesus as we imitate Jesus as well. So we know the story, and we're going to talk about this next week. You know, this is a good lead into Easter. There's the disgruntlement of the religious leaders. It's growing. Jesus 
has this incredible ministry. There's clout building around. There's fame building. Crowds of people are following. There's people who love him. There's people who hate him. There's influence changing. He's affecting the church that exists at the time. The religious leaders are disgruntled, and his message is growing more and more offensive. It's blasphemous to them that he might be the son of God, that he's the Messiah, that he has some sort of divine nature. It's offensive. They're like, we got to shut this guy out because he's causing revolts. Is This is, we, we can't have this guy continue going around doing what he's doing. So they set him up. Jesus is having dinner, right? Because Jesus would go around having Sabbath with his, with his, with his disciples and he's still part of the discipleship Robert's having dinner. The devil enters Judas. He runs off to tell on Jesus and Jesus is like, hey, I just want you guys to know it's coming. As the story goes, Jesus is arrested. He's publicly humiliated. He's beaten. He's tortured. Then he's put on a cross. And these disciples who have grown have these incredibly intimate relationships with Jesus. They found their comfort in Jesus and their hope in Jesus and their identity in Jesus and their significance and their calling in Jesus. Their whole life has revolved around this man. He's their leader, their teacher, their mentor. They love this man. Their relationship with him is unlike any other relationship they've had. He's brutally murdered. And there's nothing they can do about it. And after Jesus is killed, they put him in a grave. They seal it shut. But it's in this moment that I want to drop down into Matthew 28 and look at how the story plays out from here. And then observe as Jesus resurrects from the grave, as Jesus resurrects from the dead, what did he have to say? What did he say? So let's look, Matthew 28, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Jesus has died. He's in the tomb. They're just taking a walk. They want to lay flowers at the grave. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards shook with fear, and when they saw him, they fell into a dead faint, like they were Pentecostal. Oh, wow. <laughs> then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. Angel comes down. Earthquake breaks out. Yeah, look in the grave. Ah, yeah, I know. He's not even there. Ah, yeah, you got to go tell the disciples. Go meet him in Galilee. Okay, we'll, we'll go meet him in Galilee. So they run off. They, they tell the disciples, meet him in Galilee. I want to skip down to verse 16, I think, here, where the disciples, they got, they got the news. They heard Jesus is res resurrected. They go to Galilee. Jesus meets him in, in Galilee. And let's drop into that conversation, Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee. Marie, you can come if you don't mind. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. 
Jesus resurrects from the grave. The last passage of Matthew. The readers have, you know, we got to think the readers of the day have seen and learned. Jesus, they watched the way up. What kind of revelation, what kind of knowledge bomb is he about to drop? What is he about to do? What is he going to say? He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this I am with you always so I'm not going to abandon you my spirit is going to be with you I'm going to help you do this even, uh, even to the end of the age so when you consider the last three years, everything these people went through together, everything Jesus taught them and showed them and activated them in, all the things Jesus encouraged them in, challenged them in, pushed them to do, allowed them to be a part of, uh, that was Jesus discipling these people and now it's the, it's the culmination of those three years. After everything they went to, it's, it, it's now they have the, the stamp of certification. Now it's your turn. Now you go. And you do I've done with you. Go make disciples. Go do with others what I've done with you. And I'll be with you while you do it. And I'm going to help you do it. So as we observe this last phrase from Jesus, I think there's three really practical things we can take. And then I just want to leave you guys with some, some quick little maybe discussion questions for you and your spouse or your friends you come to church with or your coworkers. But as we read, number one, we learn that Jesus desires for all believers, you need to go and tell the message that Jesus saves, that he is the way, the truth, the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. John 3.16, right, that he loved the world so much, God loved the world so much, he sent his only son to die so that no one would perish, but everyone would have eternal life. Peter talks about God doesn't want anyone to perish, he desires that everyone would repent. There's an urgency. Colossians tells us all things were created through him and for him. It's the reason we exist. It's the reason we got breath in our lungs. Life is all about Jesus. And, and there, so we need to go tell people who he is and what he did for us. We need to help connect people to their creator. I get he's doing it, but he's using us. And, and regardless of, you know, regardless of, of the sovereignty and what that looks like, he has invited us to be a part of that process. And, and I know I have this ability to choose and y'all have this ability to choose and where God's at and all that. I don't, I don't know. I can't break it all down. We got to go and share the message. And number two, we got to, not just share the word, but we got to show the word. 1 Corinthians 1.11, Paul says this, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul's saying, <laughs> don't say that to your friends, but that might turn them off a little bit. No, I'm just saying, I mean, you can, you know, you can. It's, it's, there's this, hey, as we follow Jesus, as I grow in my obedience, as I grow in my spiritual maturity, as I grow in my walk, I need to be showing others how to follow Jesus as well and how to have a relationship with Jesus as well. Okay, and then number three. Um, yeah, then number three. Well, well, I did want to share a story really quick. Um, you know, show the word, show the word. So, you know, we see verses like in James where it's like, 
you know, pr- pray for one another, you know, be- believe that we've received it, our, our prayer is healing, our prayer is productive, we-, we see all that. But I can remember one time me and Abigail and I were sitting on the playground, we're counseling a lady who's walking through it, and, and, and Jazzy comes over, and, and she's just, the lady's just in, in crying, she's bawling, and we're kind of coming to the end of the conversation. I said, all right, Jazzy, go ahead, you know, lay your hands on her leg, I, I want you to pray. My kid is watching this woman bawl her eyes out. She's watching mom and dad sit with this woman. But this is what we do, and this is what you're going to do. This is discipleship. This is what we do. So she prays, you know, she, and she prays, dear Jesus, I pray that for so-and-so. Amen. Love it. That was great. This is discipleship. It's showing the word, right? Um, okay, so we got to share the word, show the word, then we got to teach the word. So at some point, we, we got to get to the place where, man, I never really read my Bible. Okay, well, we need to start. Okay, and, and so we need to learn who was the author of the book that I'm reading. That's a great place to start. What's happening in that cultural context? When, when this verse was written, what was, what was happening in the surrounding areas? What did that text mean to that original audience? Y'all got Google, y'all got YouTube videos, you can figure it out. Study the word so we can teach the word, okay? What, what did it mean to them? Because if we can have a clear understanding of how it applied in that day, then with a good chance we're gonna have a really, we're, we're, we're gonna be effective in communicating how it applies to us today, okay? So maybe we'll do a sermon one time on breaking that out and, and transferring some of that because uh, that could be really helpful. But there's this calling in our lives, we gotta teach others the word, amen? All right, application questions, then I'm going to let y'all go. So I I want you guys to talk about these on the car ride home, if you're going to lunch after this, whatever you're doing. Number one is I reflect on my daily and weekly patterns, and this is a culmination of week one, two, and three, takeaways and discussions to have. As I reflect on my daily and weekly patterns, can I say with confidence that I am consistently following and making every effort to follow Jesus? Am I a disciple of Jesus? Two, am I currently positioning myself to be discipled by a believer who is actually ahead of me? This takes humility, right? This takes intentionality. Is there someone who's further ahead of you in their faith that's walking with you, that's teaching you the scriptures, that's teaching you how to lead your family and pray for your kids and and whatever season of life you're in? Number three, am I answering the call to go? Am I making disciples? Am I intentionally teaching, reading with, praying with, hanging out with, exhorting, encouraging someone else in their relationship with Jesus? Simply put, am I helping even one person become more like Christ? Can you answer that question? Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.